Amen. Praise the Lord. How many glad to be in the house of God this morning? Amen. Amen. And I know a lot of you are excited because apparently there is spring weather coming this week. I'm still a Texan at heart, so I'm like hanging on to the cold and y'all are like spring warm temperatures. Well, it's a beautiful morning, amen? And uh, it is uh, such a privilege and honor to be here, and I know that we've already felt the presence of God, amen? What a wonderful time of worship, uh, what a wonderful time of fellowship, and uh, we welcome you here on this beautiful Sunday, and I pray that God just does something special in your life. Uh, Pastor Aaron called me couple of days ago, and uh, I, I missed the phone call, but he did leave me a message, and uh, sounds like he's having a great time, and uh, we just pray a blessing upon him. You know, pastors need their time away uh, to not only physically recharge, but also spiritually, emotionally, because they carry the weight of all of us as our shepherd, and uh, we just pray blessings upon him as he experiences time out and God's wonderful creation. And some of you are like, I don't want to go hiking and camping and doing all that. that. sounds like torture. But for those that appreciate that, you understand all the others like to stay at Hilton and that's your camping and experiencing the wild. Um, I, uh, I just got back uh, just a few days ago from South America where... Uh, by the grace of God, we were able to host our 40th Soccer Salvation Camp and Crusade, and we praise God for that because that is a milestone. It's truly a milestone of God's faithfulness, and for people uh, just like it that are in this room that have helped us, support us to do this, and for those that may not be familiar, maybe you're visiting here or you're new, um, my wife and I, uh, moved here in November, but my wife's from Mount Joy, and uh, this is now our home church, uh, but we are a full-time evangelist, and uh, and we occasionally, you might see my wife more than I, but usually on Sundays, that's my work day, so you usually don't see me, and we're traveling around the world and uh, speaking and being used in our gifting, and this past week, we had the opportunity to be in Osnoro, Chile, which is in the southern part of Chile in the Patagonia area. Truly, if you want a great, beautiful place to take a vacation, no joke, one of those beautiful parts of the world. It's in the Andes Mountains, and there's volcanoes and beautiful uh, beautiful Pacific Ocean, and it's truly a beautiful part of the world. But as we travel to these places, God gives us the opportunity uh, to reach people in a unique way, and that is using soccer for the kingdom of God. And I've, I've held these camps literally in places like Africa and Europe, Asia, North, Central, and South America. And this was our 40th one, as I mentioned, but never before have I ever heard anyone quite put it like this that really touched my heart because of our heart to reach people in ways that we might never reach anybody. This week we were reaching people and entire families and their children that never go to church, never been in church, don't know of a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And this church works so hard because we bring the finances and we bring the philosophy, the ministry of, of the soccer salvation camp. But the church, the local church that we work with, they have to work for months preparing. They have to work so hard and they commit a major, major amount of sacrifice to pull these off because it is, it is feeding usually 150 people a day. It's organizing. We have to rent buses. We have to rent the fields. Uh, you know, we, everybody gets a Bible, a soccer ball, a t-shirt. We have medals. We have trophies. We have a championship and, um, truly is a huge undertaking that requires the whole church. And this is what one of the men in the church said that could never have put it in a better way of the way that God has done this around the world. He said, God chose us. So how could we say no? How could we not do anything but run with this as hard as we possibly could? God chose us. And it was truly one of those moments that was quite emotional for me because when you start thinking about it, there is a waiting list, literally, of countries around the world that want us to come and do this ministry because it's a God idea. It's not my idea. It's not a man's idea. It's a God idea, and that's why it works. That's why it's very successful at reaching the unchurched and helping a local church grow exponentially. Within a matter of a week, they can grow in literally in the hundreds because you have a 100 kids on average in every camp, and then you multiply that by the average family of four and you can see really quickly the potential one Sunday they're this number the next Sunday they're a whole lot more and the process is not we just we're not just doing a big event that we do a three-day soccer salvation camp championship and crusade but literally we tell them over and over that this is a beginning not an end this is not Doing something and then stopping and then moving on to the next thing. No, this is the very foundation in which they will follow up now for the next year through a soccer school on the weekends and other events to bring every one of these that have been reached into the fold of the kingdom of God and develop them and feed them. And what this man was saying was, we know that you could have done this 40th camp or any camp anywhere in the world because we have waiting lists in countries literally all over the place. Even in the same country, we have all these places. But God chose this church in a city of 100,000 people in Osonoro, Chile. Out of all the places in the world, God chose this one church for this week to do the 40th camp and crusade. And the man put it like nobody else God chose us for this moment, for this time. So how could we do anything but give it our best? And they worked so hard. They sacrificed. They went from sun up to sundown. We have the camp during the day. We have the crusade at night. They're setting up, breaking down all the organization that goes into it. And you know what? I can't think of a better challenge to the body of Christ in 2016 than to realize God has chosen us. For Wrightsville and the surrounding communities, God has chosen this church for such a time as this. God is opening doors. God is doing things. How can we not do but give our very best? 
And I believe God wants to challenge you today. You know, uh, one, one of the, the, the children, I think she was like 14 years old. They walked her up to me this week at the camp and there in Chile. And, 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 and this lady began to tell me as, as this little, this girl just began to weep big tears because this was an orphan child. Her, I don't know, the father was out of the picture from right from the start. And then when she was just a little child, her mother was killed and she was standing there. And if you've, you, you see, someone that is truly have been abandoned maybe by death or decision and you realize the opportunity that we have been giving and you know you can apply that not only are there physical people that have been orphaned but there are so many spiritual orphans in our lives that we are called to and you know what it was very easy as this teenage girl was standing in front of me and tears streaming down her face because she's dealing with the pain that her mother died and she literally feels like she has no one. How much more do we realize that people out here in our world, in these streets, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in the places that we work, there are spiritual orphans and they're searching because they have never met their father and their father is Jesus Christ and that's why we must do what we have been called to do I can remember another moment this past week as we were uh, we do the camps in the morning and we play a lot of games and we do all these things and then we bring them to the church and we feed them all and we make sure everyone's sitting down and we feed everyone before they start. And this poor little boy, you could just tell he was so starving. He was ready and we were just torturing them because all the food was set down in front of each one already. And we tell him, you have to wait till everybody is served and then we're going to pray. And this poor boy was just like, this is not even fair look i'm looking at this food and i am ready and the moment that we said amen and you can eat i mean you know he was just scarfing it down and and you know i actually caught it on video and i was like you know what that's exactly what we see spiritually around the world when we we set the the incredible meal of the love of jesus christ down in front of someone for the very first time and they realize you mean there's a God that loved me, that died for me, that has healing and forgiveness for me. And you can't help but see. I'll never forget this week at the crusade right here in this section. It was a church that set up just like this. had just two sections. And on this section, two children, brother and sister in the same family were in the camp. And it was at night. It was the crusade. And the mother and father came with them to the crusade as we challenge all of them. And at the end, to receive Jesus Christ, I asked who wanted to receive Jesus Christ. And a whole family got saved together. A mother and a father, at the same time as their teenage children, came to know Jesus Christ. And I couldn't think of a better picture of what this ministry is all about than to see an entire family come and have their same Christian birthday on the same day, at the same time, at the same moment. As we do our next 40 and our next 80, I can't wait. The, the opportunities are endless. But I just wanted to tell this church body that you are our family that uh, thank you so much for helping us and supporting us. And we really appreciate all the prayers uh, 
enemy tried to do many things to destruct this camp. I, as many of you know, I had, had pneumonia and still kind of getting over that when I took off on the trip. Uh, and then on when I landed in D.C. after flying out of Harrisburg on my long journey, I think around 14,000 miles round trip on my very second flight out of DC. There was the, that was the day that the tornadoes and the thunderstorms, you know, were going through this whole area. And I found it ironic that everything stopped with, uh, the process of us moving away from the gate. And it was really bad outside and you could just see the thunderstorm moving through. It was just a sheet of rain. And then the pilot comes on and says, yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be delayed a little bit. There's a tornado warning in the area and the whole airport is completely shut down and all the baggage handlers and the mechanics and all them, they've been moved to safety. We're sitting on the plane. Nobody thought about us, but that's okay. I guess they figured if a tornado picked us up, we were meant to fly. So we were going to fly. No joke. I was on a window seat. I look out. There is not a soul to be seen. It is like pitch dark. I mean, it is the weirdest feeling at D.C. Dulles Airport where thousands of people work, always scurrying around. And there was nobody. And we're sitting there on the plane. Hey, don't worry about us. It's okay. Uh and I should have missed my flight, my connection in Houston to Chile, but God made sure that that flight was delayed enough so I get in the same way on the way back. And so many different things happened. And yet God said, I'm going to do what I've been called to do. And so thank you. Thank you so much for praying and supporting and helping us. And uh, if you don't have Facebook, get a Facebook this afternoon and look at the pictures of the camp and the crusade we posted and we'll be posting more of those very very soon so thank you so much uh would you mind standing for the reading of god's word if you would please turn with me to philippians chapter one Philippians chapter 1, I I love when God confirms what He's going to do. Darlene had no idea what I was speaking. Did we talk about what I was going to speak? Did I even see you before service for quite some time? She gets up here and says specific things that will be confirmed as I speak this morning. And the songs were just a confirmation of what God wants to do. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. If you found it, say amen. If you're still lost, say oh no. God saves the lost. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously 
and fearlessly. Father, may you speak to us for just a few moments this morning. May you challenge the body of Christ. God, may we literally mature in our walk with you this morning. God, your word that is alive and powerful, I pray that that power, that very life in your words would speak to us and challenge us. We thank you and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. You may be seated. The tendency, let, let's, let's all just come to agreement, we all go through hard times in our lives, right? Right? If you haven't went through a hard time in your life, I want to meet you. Because you are very special. You are very, very special. Everybody goes through storms, correct? Everybody has moments in which their lives are completely challenged and being bombarded on every side. And the tendency at those moments is to look at those moments as moments that maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't even know who I am. You know what I found out this morning? One of my board of directors, and and these guys are really special. Most of them have been with me for the 20 years that we've done this ministry. In fact, March the 20th will be my 20-year anniversary. And it was at that moment that God put some people in our lives that would stand with us as an accountability, as our board of directors, as as men and women that would have great influence. And and this morning I happened to look on Facebook and realize that one of my board of directors, his wife, just lost her sister on Thursday and very young, like in the late 20s or early 30s. And I haven't found out. I just got a text in the middle of service from my board, one of my board of directors, and it said, yes, my wife lost her sister this week. And, and I'm like, you look at these moments. I have a special needs cousin. Her name is Marcia. And anybody that knows Marcia uh, knows joy and happiness because she wasn't born like this. It was when she was just a child, uh, uh, something happened. I think she had a high fever, and then as a result, she had brain damage. And so now for the rest of her life, she's lived with her mom and dad, and she's been severely delayed, and, and her whole life has been a challenge. And we just found out a few weeks ago that she has melanoma, and we didn't catch it as soon as we should. And so they're going to go, and they're going to find out how bad it is this week. And and I, I'm just thinking about Marcia and someone that's been so faithful, uh, you know, someone that's went through so much. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, my my family going through these challenges, like our board of directors' family just being shocked, uh, you know. The reality is, is that there's going to be times in our lives that we don't understand. And we sit back and we go, God, why am I in prison? I'm Paul the Apostle. God, I, I left Saul's life of rebellion and sin and I come to your side and now I am as passionate as anybody can ever be for the kingdom and the glory of God. In fact, I will write more books of the Bible than anybody in history 
And yet, why am I in chains? Why am I being beaten? Man, I, I should be on the stage in a spotlight. I am famous. Throughout all history, people know who I am. I am Paul the Apostle. And yet, I will spend so much time in pain and sorrow and being beaten and rejected and in, in, in chains and shackles. And it's easy to look at these times in our lives that everything seems to be caving in. At the time in which it feels like you could not face any darker moment. Maybe it's your marriage that's falling apart. Maybe you live in a loveless marriage. Maybe you don't know what it's like to have your spouse sit with you in a church service and pray with them and look at God's Word together. Maybe you've just received word from your doctor that it's not good news. But can I tell you this morning that your chains and your moments of great pain and disease and sadness is not a moment that reflects when God forgot you. It's not a moment that somehow, some way, you've done something to deserve this. There's not a dad or a mother in this room that no matter how disobedient your child was that day would ever desire for them to be stricken down with some disease or to be put in chains, locked away in a prison of depression or suicidal thoughts. There's not a parent that would ever desire to see a child's body being stricken by some rare disease and pain. And may I tell you how much more does our Heavenly Father look at you and realize He will move heaven and earth to take care of you. So there is not a moment, there is not a time, there is not something you are going through at this moment that says to you that God doesn't love you. That says to you that God doesn't care, that God doesn't know where you are. It's not a moment that God has turned His back on you. No, rather, it is a moment when we have the greatest struggles of our lives that even illustrates the faithfulness of God even more because these moments should destroy us. These times of darkness should destroy us, take us down, take away hope. But rather, it is a moment that God gets to illustrate who He is. Look what Paul was saying if in 2016 the body of Christ could literally get to the place of maturity that Paul was at this moment there in Philippians chapter 1. What a place. The church would no longer find people that are here just to attract attention or be self-centered or oh me or oh my or feel sorry for me or I have an excuse why I can't get involved. No, it would be people of God that no matter what the enemy throws at you and no matter what you endure and go through, you will stand up at the beginning of each day and you will lay your head down each night and you will say as Paul did, 
I want you to know, brothers and sisters, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Do you know the only reason I've had the chance to be an evangelist for 20 years? It wasn't because I was raised in a Christian home. It wasn't because I was received Jesus Christ when I was four years old. Do you know the only reason I can tell you I've been to 55 countries and flown over 2.75 million miles? Do you know it's not because I stand here 20 years later being able to crisscross the U.S. and speak to literally hundreds of thousands of people? It's not because I was perfect. It wasn't because I've done nothing wrong. It's not because I've had a perfect life. It's rather the opposite. The only reason I've been given the opportunities that I've been given is because I can tell you about the moment as a 15-year-old that I walked into my room and my mother and dad's room only to see my mother holding my dad's shotgun in her arms and she's screaming and she's begging her three children that are teenagers, show me how to use this gun because I can't do this anymore. I want you to tell me right now how do I pull the trigger? How do I make sure it's loaded? Because right now I want to blow my brains out out in front of my three teenage children. Please show your mother how to do that. That's the reason I stand here today is because life hasn't been easy. As the child pedophile held me down on a Sunday afternoon, just like this Sunday afternoon as a 10-year-old, and he molested me and he held me down, and I begged and I pleaded, and I begged and cried out, and yet nobody came and nobody opened the door and nobody stopped the pain. This is the reason I've been given the opportunity. It's because people identify with pain. They identify with chains. They identify with what it means after a 13-year marriage to have your wife stand in front of you while you're going through cancer and you're fighting for your life and to hear the words, I've never loved you. I don't want to be with you. I'm walking out that door. You see, they can identify the moment when I held my little baby girl in my arms and I was told she wouldn't live because of the tumors in her brain and her heart. They can identify. And when as a 33-year-old, I am looked into the face of a doctor for the very first time, ever going to the doctor for these symptoms and to be told on the same day I ever went to the doctor for these symptoms that I have cancer and I need immediate surgery. You see, it's because of my chains that has served to advance the gospel. And nowhere does Paul say in that phrase or that chapter, I always was happy for these chains. I always responded with the right way. No, it has nothing to do with what I go through or what I've been through or what you've been through, but it has everything to do with what He's been through on the cross. And it wasn't the cross that finished the sentence. 
It wasn't the cross that finished the life. It was the cross that began the life. Began the impact. Began the ministry. Began exactly what God had ordained for His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, the enemy has no right to take the chains and the shackles and destroy you. Rather, it's quite the opposite. You see, the enemy is not very smart. You see, I've told many people many times that Satan is a very slow learner. And I'm thankful for it. Because every time he tries to do something else to stop me or stop my wife. You see the fact that my wife has endured feeling the life of four babies inside of her womb being sucked out and taken away. And four times you had such hope that this would be the child that we would be able to hold for the very first time and look into their face and look and see them breathing and be able to give them the name and watch them grow up. Every time the enemy decides he can snatch another life doesn't define us and it doesn't stop us. You see, my disease, what I've been through, what's happened to me, doesn't get the chance to define me. Rather, my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ, He who's who I am, I am victorious because He is victorious. I'm not defeated. I'm not diseased. I'm not destroyed because of what has happened in my past. No, my future is secure and your future is secure not because of us, not because of what we've been through or what we will face, but because what He went through and what He overcame. You see, He stands here today. He is alive and well and He is victorious. He loves you. Look what Paul said. I love this. The, the, ma- the, the amount of maturity. It says, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Do, do you see the humor? Please, please, when you read God's word in 2016, ask for God to show you humor along the way. Because there is a lot of humor in the Bible. Why aren't you laughing? Because if you understood what Paul was saying, you would be getting at least a grin on your face. He says, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard that I am in chains for Christ. Don't you see what? He was trying to say the break room for the guards was where it all began every day. That's that's the place that Paul, he was off in chains and in a cell. But Paul and his God was having an impact on the break room because every day one of the guards, one of the guards that is free. He gets to go home every day. He gets to see his family. He gets to see his kids. He gets to eat hot meals and sleep in his warm bed. But the break room for the guards, that's where the humor is. 
Because can't you see every day they come in for another 12-hour shift and there is a massive, massive discussion, putting it nicely, of what happens. It's your turn to guard Paul. No, it's not. I guarded him yesterday. No, I'm not going to go guard that guy. No, it's your turn. No, I did it. I did it two days ago. No, you have to go guard Paul. Because you know what? Everybody that guards Paul knows it's going to be 12 hours of a guy singing God's praises and preaching and sharing the love of Jesus Christ. And can't you just see Paul every day? Another guard comes on duty and a big grin breaks across Paul's face. And he says, oh, welcome. This is a good day for you. Because I don't know if I've ever told you, but let me tell you, I think I have about 12 hours to let you know of the love of my Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason I sit here every day and I'm in chains and I'm in the cell and you beat me and I'm starving and I'm sick and I'm lonely. The reason I can sit here and tell you in the middle of my cancer treatment, in the middle of a divorce, in the middle of the darkest, loneliest times of your life, let me tell you about who I truly am. You see, you may see me as Paul the prisoner, and that's how I am defined in your eyes, but let me tell you how I truly am defined. It is because of Jesus Christ He loves me and he forgives me. You see, I used to be the worst of the worst. I was the chief sinner of all. I hurt Christians. I sent them to jail. I destroyed them. And yet the love of God reached out and said, wonder what Paul would look like if he wasn't a sinner, but he was a Christian making a difference for my kingdom. It has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that I am in chains for Christ. I have to ask you the question. What does your neighbor sorrow and your tragedies and your hard times or do they know that that their person is a child of the most high God and they walk in victory no matter what's happening in their life there is a joy inside of them I know that their husband's going through cancer but yet they walk out every morning with a smile on their face has it become clear throughout your whole work that you are in chains for yourself or are you in chains for Christ? Has it become clear throughout your whole family that you are in chains and you let everybody know it? 
And look at me, and oh, my life is horrible, and, and I don't have any money, and everybody left me, and I was abandoned by my father, and I don't know where my mother is, and, and my husband cheats on me. Or do they say, I didn't even know any of that was going on. All I ever hear is the joy of the Lord is my strength. He is my rock. He is my fortress. If God be for me, who can be against me? It doesn't matter. You bring your best shot, Satan. It's not going to work, because it's not my strength. It's not who I am. It is who He is. And He is all-powerful. He possesses all power and authority in heaven and earth. Come on, saints. It is time that we recognize that no matter what chains we find ourselves at this point of our lives, that we stand here today and we can stand tall. It is not about our past. It is not about our failures. It is not about our sin. It is not about what has happened to us. That doesn't get to define us. It's not that you were divorced. That doesn't doesn't define you. It's not because you were molested. It's not because you were abandoned. That doesn't get to define you. Rather, Jesus Christ has saved you and went to a cross and died for you. That is who gets to define you. It is He. And then you look at the last sentence by Paul there. Because of my chains... Most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. You know what the last verse of the book of Colossians says? It says, Paul, write this greeting In my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Remember my chains. Not remember that I have a $3.5 million house. And I am the president of a company of 20,000 people. And I have $5 million sitting in my account. Not that I have five beautiful, amazing, perfect children or I have a fleet of cars or I've been to Bora Bora and Tahiti and Fiji. Remember my chains. Why would, why would Paul say that? As I've traveled the world and God used soccer to open doors with very poor children around the world and children that have been treated worse than any dog or cat in America. You know what, you know what allows me to connect with these children? Because you know what, immediately before I have a chance to talk with them and spend time with them, you know what, how they process me, you know how they look at me? I'm a rich American. I'm special. I'm led a perfect, amazing life. How in the world? 
is a guy from America that they know has traveled all over the world. And I live in America. And I have a beautiful, amazing wife. How in the world can you sit across from me and think that you have any chance of having an impact in my life? Because I immediately talk about the little boy. That lived in an attic. And there was no heating or air conditioning. There was no sheetrock. I talk about the little boy that was thrown into a very lonely place of being sexually abused. Talk about the boy that wrestled the shotgun out of my own mother's hand so that she wouldn't kill herself in front of me. I talk about the moment I put my amazing, beautiful wife through the hardest moment of her life. She thought I was dying in front of her because of a grandma's seizure. And as the enemy shook me trying to take my life out and was truly a supernatural darkness that was trying to accomplish what so many other moments had not. As it broke my spine in three places as he thrashed me and I was foaming at the mouth and blood was coming out of my mouth and then I collapsed in a heap on a hotel bed in Istanbul, Turkey and all the light began to fade from me and I stopped breathing and I turned blue and, and my wife came face to face with the reality halfway around the world don't speak the language and no one there to care or help her as she ran out into the room out of the room into the hallway screaming my husband is just died, it is at those moments I'm able to connect with children that are being sold for 50 cents a night as a grown man takes a little girl out and rapes her. It is the little boy that has went a whole week without anything in his mouth and he's so hungry and he's so desperate for something to touch his lips and tucks. It is at that moment that I'm able to communicate. It is not about the things that were easy in life. It is those chains. It is those moments in shackles, in the prisons. It is that moments of darkness that gives us our greatest ability. You see, I leave you this with this one thing. Please don't waste your pain. Because your pain is the most valuable thing you will ever have to reach those that do not know of Christ's love yet. Because that is what separates us. Because anybody else would have given up. Anybody else would have been destroyed. Don't waste your pain on yourself. What I mean by that is if you give up, you waste all of what Christ did to accomplish to overcome your pain. It is the scars of cancer on my body. 
It is the impact of my immune system from the radiation treatment. It is the scars of for 30 years after my mom tried to commit suicide in front of me and my brother and sister for 30 years. We were told by my mother never to mention a word about this, never to tell anyone. My own father never knew about that moment for 30 years until God started to have me write a book about my life and my testimony. And for 30 years, I waited for the moment for my mother to stand in front of me and tell me it wasn't your fault. Only to have it reinforced two days after confronting her, after 30 years, never once asking her what was going on, what was the pain from, why in the world. Only to be told two days later, Dad asked me what you were talking about. And Dad's response to what my mother said to her about that moment is my own father says to, to us in our 40s, says to my mother, why didn't you just spank them? So now after 30 years, I have just been reinforced once again. It was your fault. And yet I stand up here and have a peace and a joy and a commitment to do what God's called me to do. The reason I share that with you is you may go the rest of your life and never hear the words that you so desire to hear, but yet not even that is where your joy comes from. You may never hear the words, I'm sorry. You may never heard the words, it's not your fault. You may never hear, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have put you through that. You may never hear those words. But you've already heard the words that you need to hear. And they are spoken from our Lord and our Savior. And He says, I love you. And you've pleased me. And I created the most amazing masterpiece. You are amazing and I love you. And no matter how much people have rejected you and caused you pain and hurt and you've went through in your life, I love you and I went to the cross to tell you in your darkest hour I will be everything that you need me to be. You will never find your joy and your completeness in the things that men have to offer. But you will find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember my chains. Remember my chains. Because the moment you remember my chains... You remember who my Lord and my Savior is. I want everybody just to stand with me and just to bow your head.